What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the second episode of the official Men in Red 97 podcast, hosted by myself, Alan, and DJ. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Woot woot! I love how neither of those things were actually answering my question. They were just random noises. But it's great to hear that you guys can make those really funky, awesome noises. Uh, if you want your question answered, um, City of Chicago, please fix CTA because I would not like to be 15 minutes late to my class almost every single day. So he's not doing great is what I'm hearing, but I'm sure DJ's oh, no, no, doing no, no, great. No, no, no. Overall, I'm doing fine. It's just when I'm on the CTA, I'm like, mm. The CTA is turning him into an anger man. <laughs> well, hopefully they fix those issues, specifically the red line, because that one's super crazy. But welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Uh, really excited to be back. Before we get into it, I wanted to say a quick thank you uh, to everyone that listened to the first podcast. It did so, so well. So much better than myself or the rest of the team thought it was going to do. And uh, myself and I know the rest of the boys are incredibly appreciative of all of you who tuned in, liked it, shared it with a buddy, your mother, your sister, it doesn't matter. Let's keep that up and let's make every podcast grow and grow and grow until... Quite honestly, we dominate the MLS fan sphere of podcasts because, in my opinion, that would be really cool. But thank you from the mm -hmm. bottom of my heart, from the bottom of DJ Allen's heart. And yes, I'm speaking for them. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, please share this one. Please show it to your mom and sister again. It, it means so much to us. Share it and with your nan. What did you say? Share it with your nan. Share it with your nan. Yeah, and just another reminder <laughs> about hot takes coming out at the end of this week. So keep your eye out for that. We're going to have two different podcasts, the Men in Red 97 podcast, along with hot takes. So lots of content. Um, you won't be bored. And if you are bored, let us know. We could change it up because the whole point of this is to not be bored. But besides that, I got nothing else. Alan, DJ, you guys got anything for the intro? I think hamburgers and cheeseburgers work really well with fries. All right, let's get into some fire talk, everyone. <laughs> Wow. Oh, I, I got thrown off by that one. I can't lie. That's definitely was not on the podcast script. Let me tell you that. Um, how how you guys how you guys feeling? There's been two weeks of MLS play, one week of fire play. Are we tired yet? Are we feeling it? How do we feel? I'm feeling honestly, it's a little bit of a repeat of the past few season, like home openers since the move to Soldier Field, with the exception of the I think it was the either three 0 or four 0 win against Cincinnati. But no one was there to see it because thank you, COVID. But, you know, it would start the other home openers, you know, it would start off well and then it would teeter off um, and end in a draw. This one started off really badly, but it did pick up some pace, still ended in a draw. You know, the tables flipped on those, but the point still stands. We saw we saw both sides of the coin. That is Chicago Fire Football Club. EJ, how you feeling, man? I think I think Alan kind of nailed it. Honestly, uh, it was just it was a fire game. It's like game of two halves. The fire came out just horrible, and then subbing in Herbers and uh, Dalsalasi just made the game better. So, yeah, yeah, I'm already exhausted. I can't lie. <laughs> yep. I don't know if it was just because I started my day, my fire game day at like eight a.m., but oh, I'm exhausted and i don't know if it's just watching the fire play man i i'm i'm exhausted it what i want to do right now it, it, it does make your heart race what i want to do right yeah. now 
is talk a little bit like we've been talking about the home opener, kind of how we feel, which we've kind of touched on, uh, play ratings, that type of thing. And then I want to go into the future. I think it's always important to look at the past before you look into the future, because uh, then you know what to look out for. So I, I know, Alan and DJ, you very briefly shared your game thoughts. Um, let, let, I, before we get into play ratings, I, w- I want to share mine, because I have some very distinct thoughts. That was crap. Like, in my eyes, it was crap. I don't care that we salvaged a point. I thought it was just a complete crap shoot. Like, everyone's running around. I think there were two players who I could actually confidently say played well. And both of them were subs, which I thought was, like, rather ironic. But in general, crap shoot. NYCFC, you know, they have a good front four. They still didn't look great. Honestly, I, I don't know if you guys saw the highlights, but I didn't see this while I was at the game. Do you see that Chanot missed header right at the goal line in like the yeah. 83rd minute yeah. or something like that? Mm-hmm. That that was I, that was insane. I didn't even notice it happened until I was watching the highlights this morning. And I'm like, how did we get a point? We are lucky to get a point. Now I know, you know, our new Swiss guy, Marin, like scored, but Rafa was offsides and, you know, all this stuff. And maybe we could have had three points, but I think we were lucky to get a point. And I think it's got to be a lot better, but like you guys know the schedule. It's a hard, it's a hard, hard schedule. There's a lot of good teams. What Philly and FCC are the two next gate? Yeah, the next, yeah, Philly and FCC. Then I think it's like Miami or something like that. Miami's good all of a sudden too, which is absolutely ridiculous. But needs to be better. Would you agree with that general assessment, or were you or were you happy with it? You could be. Oh yeah, it needs to improve massively. Hmm. Like you said, you, you got to look in the past, and unfortunately, history keeps repeating with this fireside. Now, it's interesting you say that. Let's walk through some player ratings. I don't want to go through the whole starting 11, because that's going to take 30 minutes, and there's a lot to talk about. But I just want to throw out a name, and you're going to throw out a number, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's start, let's start with Casper uh, hmm, Shabilko. Four. I'm going to go say three. I would probably be, I'd probably say 3.5. I know we're all going to be, we all want to talk about that miss. You know, that miss was, how do I put it? Someone give me a word. Craptastic. Zayubishte. Zayubishte. Don't know what that means, but I'm sure it wasn't something pleasant. I know Shabilko would probably know what that means. That was yeah. quite possibly one of the worst misses. How many other MLS strikers, starting MLS strikers, are going to miss that goal? How many? Ballpark. I say maybe three. Maybe maybe not even that. Like, that was... I don't I, I have no words. I, I don't think he should ever start another game in a fire jersey. Yeah, that was... I, Matt, you probably heard it. And the other people that were in the supporter section heard it. I stood up and I just started absolutely yelling and cursing him out in Polish. I think at one point I yelled at that I'm going to go on the field and I'm going to absolutely just, <clears throat> just <laughs> I was not having it, honestly, after that. <laughs> DJ, how, what was your reaction from watching it on TV? I, I honestly was just like, what the hell? Like, Right off the bat, you should take that shot right when you get it. Like, you have two people closing in on you. If you don't take that shot and you dribble away, 
then pass it. You have Gutierrez on one side and Mueller on the other. Both mm-hmm. are wide open. Your options are basically yep. either shoot it right when you get it or dribble and pass it to the two players that are wide open. Yeah, and Mueller like, was wide, wide, wide open on that left. And I'm like, like if you're going to dance around with the ball, at least just get the assist and let's go up 1-0, you know? Yeah, and it's kind of unfortunate. That was the highlight of his game. That was the highlight. Yeah. Absolutely. Not a great performance, but it's one we've kind of come to expect, unfortunately. I just like, I don't know what happened. Like, 40 goals of Philly, he comes here. I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's Ezra. I don't know if it's simply him regressing in the league. But it's at the point where, I mean, they've already brought in two strikers, and they're going to bring in another one. That's how down bad, you know, this this club is about Casper Shaboko right now. It's unfortunate to see, but you know what? I guess that kind of happens to a lot of players who come who come to the fire, unfortunately. We've seen that way too much. I think it's also worth... I think it's also worth... (laughs) (laughs) DJ, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I think it's also worth noting Philadelphia has been like the best team in the league for like the last three years. Of course, Casper's going to score a shitload of goals over there because he has guys that are able to back him up every single minute. On the fire, he had... Jack, who's not doing well. He has Fede Navarro, or not Fede, Miguel Navarro. He's got, and for the and first Fede, half, and Fede Navarro. He does have Fede, yeah. Fede Navarro. Well, Fede's the good part. He's the good Navarro. And then you have, like, halfway through the season, he only had Stanislav Ivanov and Herbers, and uh, who was the other winger that started last year? I forget their name. Oh, yeah. They tried playing a four on the ring, I remember. And it's like, of course, he's not going to score many goals. And I think it's just like, he doesn't want to be here anymore, partially. <laughs> I think he's kind of gotten to that point where it's like, yeah, uh, I'm not wanted here anymore. And is out of contract anyway. Imagine that he doesn't survive till post-summer. I could be wrong, but... You know, we've seen the rumors about the the fire signing a DP striker. And I'm assuming that's coming in the summer. And, you know, when you have a guy like Kai Kamara, who's a veteran of the league, a young chap like Kutsias, and a DP striker, there is no room for a guy like Shabilko. Now, I, I don't know what you're going to get for him in the open market. Probably not much. But at that point, I feel like you just have to tank his salary, sell him off for super cheap, and move on. It was a dud. It happened. Kai Kamara to start against Philly, in my opinion. Unless you want to see, you know, Lisa Rodriguez or Victor Bezerra. But with all these injuries, you might end up seeing them anyways. So, yeah, not Um, good. So we have a four, a three, and a 3.5, right? Alan, you gave him a four. I gave him a three. I gave him a four. Oh, okay. So reverse. They got it. I'm going to throw out a different name. And I'm curious to have a a quick discussion about this guy. Spencer Ritchie. Thoughts on Spencer Ritchie's game? Seven and a half. I'm going to say eight. I would give him a seven and a half too. I thought he played great. I thought he played great. I saw someone on Twitter. Um, I don't know if it was on Twitter or Instagram or whatever social media. They're like, do we think Chris Brady starts after Richie's performance? In my opinion, the answer is yes. Richie played great. And I think he's probably cemented his spot as the backup goalkeeper. But, you know, Brady's Brady at the end of the day. And although Richie did play a great game, I love that little move he had, the behind the back in the first half. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Oh, yes, that was that was so so beautiful. He played 
really, really, I was really happy. He, he preserved the point for us and, um, you know, he got the job done. So we, what do we say? Eight, seven and a half. And I see seven and a half. What is that? Seven and two thirds. Did I do that um, math right? Basically. I'm a yeah, music I major. It. I don't do math. I one plus one equals two. two. That's all I know. No, I agree with that. We definitely don't give him a two. Well, let's go with seven and two thirds. How about that? I like that. All right. Okay, good. Beautiful. And the, the last player rating I want to do. Actually, DJ, give us give us one. Miguel Navarro. Miguel. Miguel <laughs> Navarro. Oh God. I think of Navarro or Pineda. But yeah, let's go with Miguel Navarro. Alan? I'm gonna go ahead and say six. Ooh, interesting. DJ? I'll say five. I was gonna say five too. I thought it was a pretty bang average performance from him. I can't lie. Although his new hair does look really, really sick and it's better than last year. I know Noah Epstein is really, really happy that he has new hair because he's like, oh, Blonde Navarro is going to be the best left back in the league. Not going to happen, Noah, but that was pretty average. We need him to do more, though. I find it funny how Navarro and Casper both dyed their hair. And all winter, there's been a rumor like, well, we may be getting a new starter. And both of them are like, winter is now coming. We are going to hair. To- <laughs> they're trying to change their appearance so fire fans forget that they're just incredibly average <laughs> players in the league. That's so brilliant. I never thought of that. Can we start that conspiracy theory on hashtag CF97 Twitter? I'm down. Every mm-hmm. every player in the league who like has regressed hardcore and isn't that good and is fighting for their spot allegedly dyes their hair blonde just to stay in the photo. We need more evidence of that, and I need someone to dig that up right now. Not right now, but like after this podcast, if you're listening to it, let's prove that theory correct. Now, Alan, are you a Miguel Navarro fan? I can't remember. And oh, no. Okay. I couldn't remember if you were. No. Now, DJ, I'd you're lo- not either, right? Not as a starter, no. Mm-mm. What were we saying, Alan? No, like I was saying last episode, I just so many times, he, I think he personally, along with. One person, our old backline, good old Francisco Calvo, have been the reasons for conceding goals. And in this case, with the NYC goal, he he was he was one of the reasons why. What did he do? He stood and watched as the ball went past him. He just stood there. Same thing as always. I feel like that was like our whole team this game, though. Like that wasn't exclusive to Navarro. But yes, as an anti-Navarro person, like. Yes, that's what he does all the time. It's just a really bad habit, I feel like. The Anti-Navarro League. <laughs> the Anti-Navarro League. Okay, so we, we, we went through a few player ratings. Obviously, the rest weren't great outside of, you know, Fabian and Richie and maybe Kai Kamaro too, you threw in there. Who was your MVP of the match and why? Well, the obvious answer is Herbers. That's who he was, you know, for by the fire. He was man of the match. He did make it to... Team of the match day, as they call it now. Um, personally, uh, who is the n- number seven with the really long last name? I, 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 Mar- Marin, um, I can't pronounce his name either. DJ, do you know it? Hal Salase. Marin Hal Salase. He was good. He was, he nice. was good. Um, he, but I, I would say that. Herbert's coming on as well as Marine Heil Salase. That's how you say his name? Close I enough. think so. Yeah, sounds good. I'll just call him Marine. I think Marine, them coming on definitely did change the game as well as Kai Kamara 
Um, but overall, um, I think Herbers, I'll just give it to him because he was the one that actually did score the goal and was the one that made the biggest difference coming on in terms of the pacing, the overall pacing of the of the game, especially in the second half, because in the first half it was incredibly sluggish. There was almost no communication. Just like NYC in the game against Nashville, we were the ones that were having difficulty getting into the midfield and past that even. But when he came in, I felt like he used his more veteran presence and Overall, just the communication and the chemistry between all the players started to click a bit more. He could have had a goal, too. Like I said earlier, I really wish that hit. I love when people making their debut for a club, especially home debut, score game winners. Absolutely. I just think it's super fresh. I'm also, like, really high on Marin. I call him Marin because I also am, like, notoriously known for not being able to pronounce last names. I call the new Swiss guy or Marin, so I'm just going to call him Marin now. <laughs> But I'm pretty high on him. Like he was nice. His Lugano highlights were nice, and I feel like he's just like that got the, the the body type to be a really successful winger in this league. Now, will he be if Shabilko's there? He's no, he's not going to get you know 10, 15 assists. But I I think he gets a start soon, maybe even as soon as Philly on Sunday or Saturday. I also you know, think that yeah, yeah. But I I I mean we could get into that later. But yeah, no, he 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 played great. Definitely one of the um. Uh, runner-ups for MVP. DJ, who's your run? Who's your who's your MVP? I'm gonna say Herbers, but I mean, obviously, other than Herbers, though, I'd probably say Pineda because I'm a Pineda fan. <laughs> but then Turan, like, I think Turan did very good for the game for the most part. But he he him and Shehos definitely proved they can be one of the best duos in the league. If the people in front of them and on the sides of them actually play well, see, it's, it's interesting you said that because I, I've seen a lot on Twitter specifically about people not happy with Tehran's performance, and I thought that was interesting because I, if I had to play a rate him, it would probably be like round of six. I think on the ball he was fine, but I, I didn't, I, I wasn't wowed. In fact, I thought that Wyatt Amsberg in the same position played well, and I know they're competing for the same spot. Um, but, you know, Carlos Tehran is supposed to be this, this young prodigy that's going to go up to Europe. And right now, I think he's kind of on par with Wyatt, which I think is more a testimony to Wyatt outperforming what he's capable of, so to speak, or what people thought he was capable of. But I, me personally, I need to see more from Carlos to, to one, prove he's fit to start. And two, you know, everyone's like, oh, Carlos is going to Europe. Carlos is going to Europe. I'm not there yet. I'm not sold on it yet. I need to see it get up. And even Rafa struggled a little bit yesterday. Or not yesterday. Yeah. What day is it? It's, it's, it's definitely not ago. Sunday. It yeah, is Monday. So it was two days it's ago. It's Monday. This is being filmed on a Monday. That's right. The day's it's blended. Monday, watching day. the fire. But even Rafa struggled at times. And, you know, obviously he's the captain and his position isn't up for grabs. But you need a guy next to him who's going to balance him out. And, you know, DJ obviously, obviously thinks it's Carlos. But remember last year, the beginning of last year, like Wyatt, Rafa, we were saying the same thing that DJ just said. Top five center back pairing in the country. Yeah. Or in the, in the league, I should say. So I, I like that there's a positional fight there. I think that's really, really good. But yeah. Yeah, Carlos, in my opinion, need to see more. Alan, I don't, know if, I don't know who you agree with here. I'm curious to hear. I'm with you, Matt, in terms of we can see more with Carlos Terran. 
Um, one thing he does have for him that neither Wyatt or really anyone on the team can do are those long throw-ins. Man has arms for days and can throw that ball across the field. But you need to have a bit more than that, honestly. He's also probably more athletic than Wyatt. No, not probably. He definitely is more athletic than Wyatt. I think the big thing about... I think the big thing about Toronto is, yeah, he's been fine for the last few months, like the last 10 months, I think. But given how injury concerned he was beforehand, exactly. it's like, and how many, how bad injuries have been literally one week into the season for the fire. When's that shoe dropping? You're right. The injury bugs already hit. Really, really bad, as you guys know. Yeah. What Torres and Muller? No, Tor- Muller went out, but Torres and Fetty went out. What the first twenty-five minutes? What was that? Fetty was thirteenth. Fetty yeah, was the thirteenth. Yeah, Torres was and the forty-fifth. Okay, and yeah, you know, it's just our luck that the injury bug starts week one. Like, I, I don't understand how it's possible. Your two other midfielders, you know, Gaston and Pineda. Or both nursing or coming back from injuries. So all of a sudden, every single one of your midfielders, and I guarantee you, neither Torres or Fetty are starting on Saturday, are all caught with the injury bug. Now, Pineda and Gaston are probably going to start on Saturday in place of Fetty and Torres, but they're not fully fit either. And that's where, like, go ahead. I just wanted to say that I remember one of the club documentaries when they were talking with the physios. They were like, laughter is truly the best medicine. Well, I'm starting to believe they're using like the Joker's laughing gas or something like that because <laughs> it's not really working. Really well, not. It's like, it's, it's like if you're going to be an injury-prone team, at least sign, like pull what Chelsea did and go ahead and sign half of Europe to your roster. If you're going to have that many injuries, you cannot have, and, and I mean this in the greatest way possible, the homegrowns on our team are fantastic, but you need more separating a guy like Gaston Jimenez to our, our, our 18 and 19-year-old homegrowns who have not had consistent playing time and haven't been able to show us what they get. You need some in-between, and that's where the Heights roster building has really, really sucked. Because now, yeah. you know, say Torres, Muller, and Fetty are all out, and in place what you probably have Gaston, Pineda, or Herbers, and then Marin on the left. Who, what, your, your bench is 95% homegrowns. Yeah. More importantly, 95% homegrowns that don't get a lot of playing time normally. And that's an issue because we're playing Philly on Sunday, Saturday. Why do I keep saying Sunday? It's very frustrating to see. Yeah. Yeah, and and it also doesn't help like talking about homegrowns. What even is the plan for homegrowns now? Because Alex brought that up on uh, Twitter, but you've got Gaston and Pineda, but are you just gonna leave Casas to the side for the rest of the season then? Because I mean, I mean, I don't. Yeah, remember we're 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 in three different leagues: leagues, leagues cup, U.S. Open Cup, and MLS. That's what fifty. I mean, granted, we're not gonna go that far. Probably in any of them. So we'll uh, still like probably 40 games maybe in our season. Yeah. Ish. How, how long is a regular MLS season? 34, something like that? 37 games minimum for okay, so uh, then probably like 45. Yeah. So 45 games. 
Like Gaston Pineda Torres, if he keeps playing at the eight, which we could have a whole discussion about on whether or not we like that. I completely changed my answer from last week, but they're going to need to play those home grounds. And especially if there's all these injuries like Costas and uh, Oregal and uh, Misa, like I would not be surprised to see them in the, in the starting 18 next week solely because of the injury bug. And I feel like that becomes a problem when you go to the U S open cup and you go to the leagues cup and your starters are injured. And now your 18, 19 year old homegrowns are the only reliable players you have left. And you think in between, you have no more veteran spots. And I also think like MLS doesn't help with that because they only allow for a certain amount of senior spots. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's one big problem with this league, but it will come to back to bite us in the butt. Oh yeah, absolutely. Agree. But that's the fire. That's the life of being a fire fan. And there's really nothing much we could do about it. We just have to, uh, give me, give me a, give me a way to say it in Polish, Alan. That's exactly what I thought too. Really well said. So the injuries suck. But the atmosphere is pretty good. And I know DJ was watching it on TV. And I'm curious to know what he said, what he thinks from a TV perspective. But Alan, I saw you in the front row. You're kind of all over social. What do you think of the atmosphere? Well, first of all, it's just... If there's one thing I can take away that was really good, it was the fans and the support overall. I think we officially had, I think, some around 19.6K people in Soldier Field. Um, but one thing I for one thing I can say is that from where I was in the supporter section, you can hear the at times the entire stadium, everyone getting into it, like you know, when we yell fire, dun 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 fire. You can hear the rest of the stadium trying to get along with that in there. You know, people are on their feet waving the flags making noise so even i felt like there was even more noise than like when we would have more people you know like for me it was really great and of course me being up there in the front just sometimes yelling weird obscenities in polish or 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 in any language i think i was shouting in italian at one point (laughs) it was just great to be back and like like you said the pictures i was just so happy to see the, the pictures of, of course, not just myself, but everyone just having a good time there. Um, you know, I brought my friends and they even were in a few pictures as well. And it was it was just so grand. The TIFO, first of all, you know, sp- spanning across four sections. That was really cool to be a part of. Granted, it was really heavy because it was wet from the rain. But that doesn't matter because it was still really awesome. And seeing it from pictures from people, you know, further up or the other side of the stadium it looked really cool what were you wearing a crown crown logo goalkeeper jersey or was i am i mistaken i was and um the reason why i will answer near the end of the podcast with our conclusion question oh okay i i I see i see where you're going with that. there's a story with this there's a story with this dj could you could you hear us and the answer could be no, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it is no. But could you hear us at all on on the TV? Did we sound good? Did we look good? Y'all sounded very digital. <laughs> I forgot but, we talked about this before the recording <laughs> that you were going to say that. Oh, that's too good. 
But um, no, it's a, from the TV perspective or online, I guess it sounded pretty good. It sounded like a nice atmosphere. It didn't sound like Atlanta at its peak or Seattle at its peak, obviously. Sure. But mm. I mean, it sounded better than some of the games last year. That's for sure. I had a great time. And I got to meet Alan. We were cheering yeah. together. We it were. was awesome. I had a great time. Definitely, I, I haven't been to too many Soldier Field games just because I've been in college and, you know, it's kind of hard, unless you're a Rye, to drive up. You know, he drives two hours, so I would have to drive four or five hours every single Saturday to see the fire play at home. But it was definitely better than, like DJ said, some of the games last year. I think there's a lot of work to do in terms of support, mm-hmm. in terms of getting people more into the stands. But I saw a good tweet that really wrapped it up and it said something along the lines of if we could get 19,000 people in the soldier field on a cold wet day in March wait till the summer and I, I agreed with that in part because it's I, I think on the, on the surface it's right like 19k for a home opener in March it rained the tailgate was gross if you were there uh, but it was so fun like obviously wet tailgates are the best mm-hmm. um, but at the same time you know what is the team going to look like in summer is the team going to be good enough to actually warrant having 25 to 30 people, 25K to 30K in the stands? No, that just remains 20 to, to 30 people. Yeah, 20 to 30, <laughs> man. That sounds like a classic Wednesday night, like midweek game. Probably like first round U.S. Open Cup hosted at Soldier Field. Yeah. Like I, I hope we can get to that 25K mark, 30K mark. But if, if you're going to replicate performances like you did against, against NYCFC at home, uh, you're probably not going to generate too much buzz. Although Twitter was, a lot of new fans on Twitter were very happy with the atmosphere. So uh, yeah. in, in Hebrew, we say kolakavod, which is, is like, great job um, to everyone for that first game. Definitely more work we need to do. But I think generally, like, if DJ's saying it sounded good on TV, we did a decent job, right? Yes. Yeah. I want to fast forward from the NYCFC game to our next challenge um, against the Philadelphia Union. Um, who, in case you didn't see, lost 2-0 against Miami, which I thought was a really, really interesting result. What are your thoughts on the game? How are you feeling going into it? Win, lose, draw? What do we think? Uh, Well, shit. Oh, that's it? Yeah. I, th- I thought you were about to say something after that. No. Alan? In a similar fashion, um, it's Philly. We have injuries. Oh, double fuck. The one thing that I think kind of gives us some level of hope, and I think it's part of why they lost their game the other day, was they're playing the CCL on Wednesday. Yep. That's true. They're playing in El Salvador, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, uh, I saw a tweet. So. It said they have some of the... I, th- I thought it was like the Dominican Republic. Oh, no, that that was um LA. Never mind. Disregard what I'm saying. But I, Alianza FC, wherever they are. Who are they? I think that's, that's who they're playing. I think that's Sal Salvador, yeah. Okay, sounds about right. I saw that they have some of the best support um, in CONCACAF, which I thought was really cool. So I'm like, all right, if they could get in Philly's heads and then, you know, Philly goes on to, to win 2-0 anyways, they'll be so rattled that they'll come back into Soldier Field. And, or not in Soldier Field. What is their stadium called? Subaru Park? Yeah. Yeah, Subaru Park. That's right. And we'll kick the crap out of them while they're uh, recovering from... The, the 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 mental slaughtering that they had in El Salvador or wherever they're playing, but you're you're right, DJ. I think you nailed it on the head. I'm a little bit more optimistic than I normally would be because they're playing that midway or that mid that midweek game, 
And, you know, at CCL, it's the first game. I'd imagine that they start a lot of starters. I don't know what their starting 11 looked like against Miami DJ. Was it a full lineup or did they rotate? Uh, looking at MLS soccer, it looks like it was like their their full lineup. Interesting. And they still lost 2 nothing, huh? Yeah, and they didn't start bringing players off until like the 62nd minute mark, so... And I'm, I'm curious to know if that says more about the Union or more about Miami actually being good this year. Because if Miami's good this year, oh man, there is no way we're making the playoffs. Like Miami's one of those teams, nobody knows what they're doing. And if they're all of a sudden decided to be good and beating teams like Philadelphia 2-0, shutting out Philadelphia, a team that just put, what, four goals against Columbus in week one? Columbus is obviously one of the best teams in the East. That kind of scares me in itself. But going into Philly... Trying to get three points. You know, how many games have the Fire won on the road in the past three seasons? They could probably count it on two hands, right? Yeah, it was not yeah. a lot. The only one that comes to mind is the game in DC where we won 2 now. What year? Last year. Pretty sure it was. Was it last year? I know we had a couple away wins last year. I, honestly, they all kind of blend in because after you lose so many times on the road, like, why does it matter anymore? You know what I mean? No, I yeah. am. We didn't win a single road game under, I think it was Wiki's first or second, I, one of those seasons, or maybe even both. I think it was terrible. It me. Hey, well, we didn't deserve to win any road games while we had the crown logo anyways. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, what, do, what do you guys think we're going to leave Philadelphia with? Three points, one point, zero points? Who's going to score goals? Walk me through all that stuff. What do you think? I'm going to say it's a 3-1 loss. I'm going to say probably maybe Kamara scores a goal for us, and then other than that, we get trounced. Alan, what do you think? I'm also not going to be too optimistic, but I'll say it's probably going to be, I think, either... I'm saying either 2-0 to them or Still 2-1 to them, but we scored one. And like DJ said, Kamara maybe. Or, you know, someone at this point. Because uh, it's 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 increasingly difficult that even with, you know, an entire offseason, you know, uh, coaching hasn't really changed. It's still, even back with Wiki, now with Hendrickson, since the move to Soldier Field and maybe even before then, there's just such lack of communication between these players that you even that you question whether even they spent time together in the off season or like whether they like how well they trained together, you know, in training or if they communicate even off the pitch. It it, it looks like a team of individuals for the past few seasons. Like communication. That's the key factor, in my opinion, with this fire team. If they have communication, if they know how to pass the ball to each other, if they have a game plan in mind that they can communicate with each other, it all depends on that. Yeah. Well, I I would agree with you on not only your monologue at the end. (laughs) I'm sorry, I went off. (laughs) No, no, you're good. I was actually going to comment on that. I don't know if you saw... Um, it was Columbus's second goal, I think, with um, whoever the right back is in Cucho and, and Lucas Zelleron. The buildup to that goal was like 
It looked like a team that trained every day. They knew their role. They knew where people would be running. They knew how to create space. They knew how to pass the ball. And it's just something that when I was watching it, I'm like, there is no way our team can replicate this. And I'm looking at the players and the talent cap, maybe it's there. It's probably there a little bit. But I don't think it's that big to the point where I should be like, wow, if the fire did this, I would probably pee my pants. Like, that's how I feel about this team. And I think you nailed it on, Alan. It feels like a team of fragments. It feels like a team of individuals. And if if, if we didn't see film of them training on a day-to-day basis, I'd be like, wait, so do they train like twice a week or something? Is this like you know, playing recreational club when you're in fifth grade, you go every Tuesday and Thursday or something like that. And it doesn't look like a professional. Yeah, and that's something that honestly shocks me because when the fire media posts like videos and pictures of them at training, it looks like, you know, that they're doing a lot of work and also that they're, you know, they're having a good time together. Like when they do like you know, silly little questions like who would you not let date your daughter or something like that? And they're all laughing. Stupid and question. Having... Who, would, who would ask that? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not some, some podcast host, but, you know, beside the <laughs> point, if we didn't see that, if the fire social media team, who, by the way, are great, I'm pretty sure they were like yep. nominated for an award of some sort recently deservedly so deservedly so like in terms of media production graphics all that it's on point if only we could have that on the field and i i want to chalk it up to oh it's the first game of the season but we've seen it time and time again so it's another one of those things where i'm going to be an optimist until i'm shown on the field that i can't be and week one has already kind of weakened that whole optimistic standpoint in my head. Mm-hmm. But to, to track it back, my final score, I know we just got very somber and very like in our feels almost right there about we just want our fire to be good and do some tiki taka style play. But tracking it back, my, my final score is going to be 3 1. And um, it pains me to say it. Now, I'll change my answer slightly if Philly trots out a super rotated 11 because their team is absolutely destroyed after playing in El Salvador three days before, I'll change it to a 2-2 tie. But even then, I won't give three points. I'm not that generous. I am an optimist, but not that big of an optimist. More specifically, I'm going a Gazdag hat trick. Oh, my. Primarily because he's on my fantasy team, and yes, he will stay on my fantasy team, even though he's playing against the fire. I'm not one of those guys that won't start players playing against the fire just because I like winning too much. Gazdag hat trick and a Shaq penalty. If Philly trots out their 4-11, their full 11, I should say, not their 4-11. If it's the 2-2 tie and they trot out their reserve 11, I'm going to go Marin, Swiss guy, Halle Salase, with a beautiful right foot curler into the back post, and then a Kai Kamara goal to seal the tie in about, I don't know, let's go with the 91st minute, so last minute header. I feel like... And you guys to quickly agree or disagree with me. I'm really curious. This is a right when we signed Kamara, I thought, oh my God, this is the Sierra Leone version of Alan Gordon. Is that a terrible take? No, that's not really. That's pretty accurate. I'd say so as well. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I thought I was going to get roasted for the take. So I'm glad that people are actually agreeing with me. 
That's like you idiot. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. I, know. I mean, <laughs> let's let's just hope he doesn't do another photo shoot with the shoot. Like Alan. Oh no, did. not the photo shoot, man. No, no, no. Uh, unlike unlike Alan, um, Kai's a, not not this Alan. Alan Gordon. Um, Kai is a family man, so I don't think you're gonna catch him in that type of shoot. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. Gordon did. did you know? Fun fact: before we get to our final question. Did you know that Gordon lived on uh, one of the fire players' couches because he didn't want to get a house? Did you hear about this? Oh, shot. I'm not shocked. No, I, I forgot who it was. I'm, I got to look into it and I'll let you guys know. I'll tweet it out or put it in the description or something like that. But I thought it was really, really funny when I heard that. Like, he was literally couch surfing. And I'm like, that is so Gordon. That's so him. I know Kai Kamara is definitely not doing that. So uh, no. that's one thing dissimilar to that. I feel like it makes sense because he probably already knew before the season started. It's like, I'm not going to be staying here. I'm, I'm a rental. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. It, it, I'm not looking forward to Saturday. Let's wrap it up like that. Yeah. I ended off on a lighter note. Here's your question of the week. <clears throat> and Alan kind of alluded to this earlier. What is your most precious Chicago Fire? Put hashtag CF97, but I'll say Chicago Fire jersey backslash apparel item and give me the backstory but alan do not take 10 minutes because i feel like you got a whole sob story lined up it's not a sob story it's not it's it's a good story simply it's simply this my most precious and probably my best piece of chicago fire apparel jersey both actually is my match worn and signed bobby shuttleworth jersey and gloves that's the one you were wearing at the game? It's the one that I usually wear to the game because I used to, when I got the jersey, which is from the Juneteenth uh, game when we lost 2-0 at Columbus, um, they usually do the auction of the shirts. And surprise, surprise, no one bidded for Bobby's. And I was like, am I about to get a match worn and signed shirt basically for the same price as or maybe even less than for like a for like an authentic jersey you can get like at a game or something absolutely and so i went for it and do i regret it no because bobby shuttleworth from the moment he stepped on in place of cronholm when he got injured has done you know his absolute best and he has taken a leadership role in the back line and just like Gaga after him had to deal with the back line that was with Francisco Calvo and also have the gloves on that. And then the reason why I have another jersey, it's literally the same one, just, you know, it was from the locker room sale recently. They had a bunch of goalkeeper jerseys and they had the exact same one, you know, same green and everything. So I was like, I'll wear that one. So that way I can keep the Bobby uh Bobby jersey, you know, hung up on the wall for me to enjoy. That's beautiful. Little Bobby Shuttleworth stand over there, huh? Absolutely, yeah. In fairness, any man that plays behind Francisco Calvo deserves a tip of the hat. Not wrong. Massively. Not wrong at all. DJ, what about you? What's your answer? Um, I have a long sweater from the fire. It's a uh, just a red sweater with the logo on it. But I got it at Brookfield Zoo back in 2011. Brookfield Zoo? That's a weird place to get a sweater. Well, it was for my birthday. It was for my birthday. And 
right as I got that sweater, I turned around and we were in line to get a signing from Niarco and Baruch. Sweet. So I got that, and then later in the day, I won two tickets to the fire game against the Union mm-hmm. on the 3rd of August. Look at that. It's pretty and then, uh, no, Pano and Pardo both scored. So that was a fun day. But then in 2017, when the fire came down to IMG, I went to a training match. Alex Bowler said, hey, come here for real quick. And I got a signature from all of the players on the team at that point. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. Including that one player I didn't get was Bastian Schweinsteiger. But I got a photo with him later. Who? Who's Bastian? Some German dude. Yeah, he's the, the, the lowest member of that team, for sure. I'd rather get Alan Gordon's signature than Bastian Schweinsteiger, personally. Yeah. Who, what what even is a what even is a name, Bastian Schweinsteiger? Was is das? Sometimes Alan, Alan's accents just get me every single time. I love it. No, that's a good one, DJ. Mine is, um, I have a couple of really good ones. I have this Mike McGee one that I've been trying to get in the sign since I bought it in 2015, but I can never catch him at a game. Um, which is really unfortunate, but I gotta go with. I have this Luka Stojanovic game worn, and um, I sent him a DM on Twitter one day. I go, "Hey, Luka," he goes, "Hi," or something. I don't, I don't know what he said. He said, "He said, hey, like you know, like normal people do." And I go, "Hey, can I have your jersey?" And he goes, "Yeah, you want two? And I go, "Yeah." And he goes, "Okay, I'll leave them at my desk." Back when he lived in downtown. I'll leave it like with the receptionist and I'll write your name on it and you just come by and pick it up. And I said, I said, sweet. Like, that's all I have to do to get two Luka Stojanovic jerseys. I ended up giving one, I ended up giving one to Noah Epstein and I was at school. So I made my dad go pick it up for me. My dad met him in the, in the lobby of his condo building and took a selfie with him. And I'm like, that's like really cute. My dad and Luka Stojanovic, two of my favorite guys. Luka Stojanovic is like my Bobby. I love him. I'm an abnormal stand of him. But I have that jersey now. I didn't realize until a month that Luka had actually signed it. Um, and unlike Alan, I hate wearing signed jerseys in public because when I was in middle school, my uncle was working with Ronaldo um, on, a, on a commercial. He works in the entertainment industry. And he got me a signed Ronaldo jersey. And the first thing I did was wear it to school the next day because it's a signed Ronaldo Real Madrid jersey, who I'm also a fan of. And I immediately spilled spaghetti sauce on it. So oh, no. ever since then, like I don't, I can't, I can't wear a signed jersey in public. So Alan, kudos to you. Make sure you don't spill any ice cream nachos on it or beer because the beer was flying in the supporter section yesterday. Sorry about that. Nah, you're fine. And that's one of the reasons why I ended up getting one the the goalkeeper jersey that's the exact same. So that way I can still wear that bright green goalkeeper jersey because honestly, it's a fit. Just, you know, and... Yeah, keep... you looked good, man. I mean, one of the reasons why I love wearing it is because I'm very visible in it. It's very easy very easy to look in the, look in the crowd and be like, oh, look, there's Alan. <laughs> well, Alan's goalkeeper jersey, DJ sweater, my Luka, jo- Luka I almost said Luka Jovanovic, Luka Stojanovic jersey. Those are the answers to the question of the week. Let me know in the comments or tweet at us or send an Instagram comments. Let us know your favorite Chicago Fire jersey or apparel item and give us a little rundown why. It's always always nice to know what people are wearing and why they wear it and the special stories behind all these fantastic Chicago Fire items. Thanks for those answers, guys. 
We're going to sign off right now. Alan, DJ, do you have any final things for the people? I do. I am curious to get y'all's thoughts on this Sank Turan deal. I just realized that we forgot all about that. Who deal? The what deal? Sank Turan, the uh, striker from Turkey. Oh, Tosun? Or Tosun. Why am I saying Turan? Turan, yeah, you just combined combined him. I don't think it's happening. I don't want it to happen. I've been anti against it. I didn't think he was good in the Prem. He's been fine in Turkish League, but I know he was offered to us. We don't need to settle. No, we don't. I think Alan would agree. Yeah, Alan? I honestly have no opinion on it. It's just one of those mess signings. I'm kind of glad it doesn't happen. We'll see in the summer if the fire are able to pull off something big. And like I think I said in episode one, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be a little bit bigger than Tosun or however, however you pronounce his name. But we'll, we'll, we'll get there and we'll definitely talk Tosun and more Chicago Fire Strikers in the summer when we get closer to that new DP striker signing. But for now, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. A reminder, I know I said this at the beginning, hot take coming out. Be sure to check it out. Paul McCann, wonderful Scott. Very excited to bring him on to a podcast for the first time. And be sure you are following Men in Red 97 on Twitter, Instagram. Oh, we have a Facebook too. Yeah, we have a Facebook too. And soon we're also going to have a YouTube. So make sure you're going to be following, subscribing to Men in Red 97 on YouTube. Whoop, whoop. Thank you so much for watching. <laughs> this has been DJ. That was him. Alan and Matt from the MIR team. Thank you. Have a good night and come on, you men in red. Come on, you men in red. Let's go.